1: Welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network.
0: everybody to the beautiful butterfly show i'm your host bianca fly i want to thank you guys for joining us on this Sunday evening yes you guys are doing a special treat for you guys on our author spotlight this evening you guys we got author stephen van Patton of the brook waters curse series joining us this evening he is a new guest on here so you guys know i love a new guest so i'm excited about learning more about him and his amazing books, um, as we will get into those a little bit later in the broadcast. Um, so you guys who are out there listening, make sure you call in or feel free to listen. I know it's Sunday, so some folks are relaxing and unwinding. But nevertheless, we appreciate you tuning in. And you can call in at 347-326-9139, or you can download our app. That's YRN 1328, available on iPhone and Android, so you can listen not only to the beautiful book, butterfly show but all of the awesome hosts and platforms that we offer here on your radio network and so without further ado you guys we're going to bring the man of the hour on here we're going to learn some more about mr steven tonight you guys and um so make sure you guys share the show Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, get the word out uh because we're going to learn a lot tonight. I got a feeling you guys. So we're not going to delay any longer. I'm going to bring Stephen in here so you guys can get to meet him for yourself. Stephen, you there?
2: Yes, I am.
0: How are you doing?
2: Hello. Hey, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Real good. Real good.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday evening for a little bit. Well, I definitely you. appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate you having me. Uh, I, I love Absolutely. that intro music. That's, uh, that's very fly there. <laughs> Speaking of, of butterflies and Bianca flies and all kinds of flies, that that, that music was <laughs> fly.
0: That so was nice. I like that. I
2: might, I might need to
0: cop that. Thank you. I might have got that, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, of course, for the folks out there, Stephen, who may not be familiar with who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're a Brooklyn native, and um, so tell us a little bit about who is Stephen Van Patten.
2: Well, let's see. I'm a Capricorn. I like long walks on the beach. Actually, I'm kidding. I I don't really like the beach that much. But, no, um, the uh, – well, what I guess is pertinent to to the conversation is the fact that uh, I am a Brooklyn-based horror writer uh, of the African-American persuasion. And, uh, yeah, uh, that that would be the – I think that's the main reason we're having this talk, but (laughs) – I'm sure we'll 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 jump into some other stuff, but I mean that's the main thing. I have I have four books out. Um, three of them are about an 1860s Georgia plantation slave who becomes a vampire and then rises to power within the uh, vampire universe, uh, and that's the Brookwater's Curse series that you mentioned. And I also just released last year uh, Killer Genius, which is about a hyper intelligent black female serial killer uh I guess you could say I have anger issues. Um and that's you know, that that, that that's, that's kind of that's the short version of my deal. There you go.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So of course as you mentioned, uh being um a African American and writing horror, how did that come to play? Because the reason why I ask you that is because oftentimes I would say stereotypically uh, we're used to seeing uh, white authors or other cultures write sure. stories behind horror. So for yeah. you as an African-American, like what, what was it about horror that um, intrigued you uh, to make you want to eventually write you know, stories about it?
2: Well, I think a lot of it started as me being a little kid watching horror movies that I had no business watching. <laughs> um and and sneaking around my mother to stay up late to watch stuff that I really should not have seen and you know just the fact of okay just it originally it started from learning to respect the monster killer dude you know what i mean and and, and maybe to right. to become that guy i mean i'm talking about like when i'm like 5 6 at this point so it started it started <laughs> along those lines and then um What ended up happening, of course, is as I got older, I started to notice how the people that look like me in the horror movies were being handled, Um, and and in that, stereotypical caricatures, and uh, there's, uh, uh, there's, uh, I mean, and and there's the other stuff that's just indicative of any Hollywood venue, especially back in the day, and then, of course, with horror, there's always the fact that if there is a brother or if there is a sister, there's a good mm-hmm. chance that they are long. Well, it either goes in two ways. They're either long gone before the the, the credits are even done. <laughs> right, you know your opening credits are still going by. Directed by and the black dude is like ah, you know, either that's <laughs> happening, or or you get like the magical Negro syndrome. Where right. it, the, where the black pro, where one of the black, whatever black protagonist you may have provided, they die second to last. So <laughs> then that that's enough for the the white friend that loved him so much to be like, no,
1: <laughs> and then he goes oh and kills God. the monster.
2: So, you know, as I got older, as I got older, you know, it became one of these things where it's like, and and anyone who absorbs any kind of American culture, you know, while you have the brown skin, it's kind of the thing where you begin to feel like, you know, the thing that you love, in my case, horror movies and horror and, you know, horror novels and and all that stuff. uh, you, Mm -hmm. You start to get the feeling that as much as you love this thing, this thing doesn't love you back. So uh, that that kind of set me up on the mindset of, well, you know what, I need to write and create my own thing. And, right. and, and that's basically how I landed, you know, in this mindset where it's like, all right, well, you know what, there, there's a serious shortage of black heroes. I'm going to and and not even so much black heroes complex unstereotypical black characters moving about successfully in a multicultural world. I mean there is a shortage right. of all of that. So
0: absolutely. You know. Absolutely.
2: And horror and sci-fi being my thing, being my distraction, being, you know, the thing that still speaks to me, you know, in that way, um you know, that that that's kind of what set me on that path.
0: Awesome, awesome. And, and, and I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned about how, which is very, very ironic that you brought that up, because uh, I was just talking about that with my family today, about uh, how in horror movies, you we were talking about that, how usually uh, the, the African Americans are the first ones to, you know, die off really early in the movie, but most of the time mm-hmm. they don't even make it halfway through the movie. Why do you think that? Why do you think in the past is it like because, you know, people couldn't imagine what um, black people would actually do in these circumstances? Um, or they, I mean, what, what well, keeps sure them that, from actually, you know, having them to go all the way through the whole movie without getting killed off those things?
2: Um, well, sure, all of that comes into play. Um, yeah. But then the other thing is, well, it, it, it,
0: twofold. There's a twofold
2: okay. issue there. The first thing okay. is that the monster's got to kill somebody in order for you to take the monster seriously. All right. All right. If you go through right. a whole movie, and there are there are movies like that where, like, nobody, you know, nobody dies or it's a dream at the end and whatever. And, right. you know, when when that happens, I'm usually the guy in the theater, in the theater throwing cabbage. And that, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, I hate that. <laughs> um, so the thing is, it's a horror movie. Somebody's got to die. All right.
1: Right. Um, and the,
2: And the point is, you know, ultimately – the, it's the star of the movie that's going to, you know, that's going that that's going to shine at the end of the movie, and that's with any movie. But with horror, it's off. It's it's very distinctive because there is this definitive monster killing that takes place. Uh, you know, I'll use <laughs> Aliens as an example. All right, Sigourney Weaver. You know, you're watching the movie. You know, Bill Paxton and everybody else. They're getting Acid and and ripped to pieces and things bursting out of their chest and the whole night. But you know, Sagani Weaver is going to make it to the end of the movie <laughs> because that's the star of the movie. Right? You know, like like some of the slasher flicks it's a little different. You know, um, I want to say you never really know with Freddy. You never really know with Chucky. You know, but for right. the most part, but for the most part, when the star of the movie. Is your Sigourney Weaver or your Brad Pitt or somebody like that, you know, they're making it to the end. You know, and, and it is, you know, and, and it's supposed to because, you know, and Europe actually isn't like this, but America always like, you know, they always like the happy ending. They always like the tied up bow. They always like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, and it's, our, you know, I want to say it's how we've been trained for lack of a better way of, of, of putting it. it. You know, that's, that's our mindset. You know, we want to go home, we want to go home with the notion that, you know, certain things are in place. And, you know, folks at Hollywood, you know, they're going to take care of their own. And, you know, that, that, that's, you know, it, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of drifting into what's wrong with Hollywood in general and into the whole whitewashing area. But all of that plays... A huge effect in horror, more so than Absolutely. than other genres,
0: because Absolutely. you know,
2: because you, know, you know, at the end of a romance movie, you know, a rom com, you know, you, you you might have somebody with their feelings hurt, but they still have their head.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's you know that's 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 why in the horror thing it's a, it's a lot more definitive.
0: <laughs> and for you, uh, in, in starting and creating. Um, for you, what, what, what was that first moment that you actually began uh, to start writing these type of stories? Before you actually published um, the books, when did you actually begin writing uh, these type well, that, of stories?
2: I want to say that started in phases, and um, you know, while I've been doing this, I've also been cultivating a career as a television show stage manager. Right, and right. I got and I got into that. You know, kind of, kind of the same reason I started doing this. I am at my core. I'm a I'm a pretty creative guy. But
0: right, what right. ended up
2: happening is the stage managing is really just logistics. I don't really get to be a creative guy doing that. So <laughs> I, I was, I, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, I was just frustrated. So then I, as, as first as sort of a cathartic outlet, I began putting down, the, you know, my little vampire fantasy and, and, and you know, and, you know, of course I would just – at first it, it it was really just for me and I was, like, just killing people that were getting on my nerves and, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I got to actually start putting together a real plot and a storyline and I got to page 100. And about the time I got to page 100, I was like, okay, well, I got to finish this. I got to make this – I, I, I got to do this now. This This, this is obviously <laughs> – you know, it's like everybody's trying to get me to, you know, go to the club or go out drinking, and sure, I've done plenty of that, but then there would just be those nights where I just blow that off and like, yo, no, son, um, I'm I'm good for tonight because I got to get this out of my system, and, you know, and that's kind of <laughs> how I've been, and that's kind of how I've been doing it, you know, for like these past 10 years or so, so, uh Yeah.
0: Wow, wow. And, and for you, um, what are some of your because I know I know oftentimes people wonder at writing horror, uh, what are some of Stephen's favorite horror films? Like what are your top horror films that you just you just love to enjoy watching? Well,
2: um, I got to tell you one of the things that first and foremost, one of the things that really stuck out to me and I guess it, it once I saw it I, then it was never going to be any other doubt that I the first thing I was going to do was going to be a vampire thing and that was blackula And Black okay. got yeah. stuck with me and and obviously it you know came out in 72 from a you know from a cinematic and technological standpoint it doesn't necessarily stand up to the eye of the 2016 moviegoer but At the time, it stuck out, not because it was a vampire story and just because I was infatuated with vampire stories and and Christopher Lee and Hammer Films and all that stuff, but also just from the fact that here you had this dignified, Shakespearean-trained actor (laughs) fighting people in the neck in California. And it was just like, and it, you know, as a six-year-old, I'm like, at first I'm terrified, but then as I get older and start, like, reading between the lines, And then he has this line in Scream, Blackula Scream, where he scolds these two pimps for making a slave out of their sister. And, and, you know, it's like that resonated with me so hard in the sense that, you know what, you don't really, there's no real way to talk to somebody who saw the lion's share of what African Americans went through, and that, was one of the things that, that kind of stuck with me and, and, and made me want to do Brook Waters Curse. Uh okay. and as as far as as far as other movies go, I'm pretty much across the board. I love Star Wars, I love Star Trek, um you know, and, and all that stuff. But in terms of scary, I, I I run the gambit except I'm not that big on the torture porn thing and, you know, after after Jason uh, it was jettisoned into outer space. I kind of signed off uh, on the Friday the Thirteenth movies, <laughs> you know. It, it's like cause it, it was just like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, I, but you know, it's so funny because the '70s did produce a lot of stuff from from a horror standpoint that still holds water. Like, I Why? I challenge anybody to sit through The Exorcist at any point in their life and not be like, okay, I'm I'm a little messed up behind this right now. Anybody, oh, exactly. Anybody. <laughs> the Exorcist, and what was that? Seventy-three, exactly. seventy-four. That still holds water. That movie, it bananas. Uh, it's a little slow, Absolutely. a little slow in the beginning for people, you know. Who, you know, now it's like now move, action, especially action movies. Now things start with with a car chase or with Optimus Prime, like jumping into somebody's face real quick, or you know, or whatever. But. Mm-hmm. You know, so The Exorcist does, certainly does start a little slow, you know, for the contemporary movie person. But right. I mean, but I mean, once they get going, it's it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And the and the <laughs> Omen trilogy, the Omen trilogy was crazy.
0: Yes, you know, the little yes. creepy little boy.
2: Yes, no, uh, yeah, no.
0: You know that. Yes. It, it, oh my gosh. Please,
2: please. <laughs> yes. And something, and honestly, something—it's something that you don't even think about because obviously, when you when you you know have this conversation with me and I'm jumping right. back and forth between vampires and werewolves and all this right. other stuff, you don't think about this. <laughs> but really scary movie, Jaws. <laughs> Jaws is crazy. <laughs> Jaws is crazy. <laughs> you know, so yeah. there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of the old stuff out there that that that's just like nuts. Um, I don't know. I mean, right now, movie-wise, I mean, you know, there's The Conjuring and, and a couple of the more modern ghost story mm-hmm. things that they're doing, yeah. they're kind, they're kind of good. But honestly, I, I, and maybe it's just me being desensitized now, but like The Ring and The Grudge, like that stuff didn't scare me one bit.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, you know, because
2: yeah. I, I mean, I just imagine myself looking up under the sheets and see some crazy little Japanese girl, and I just start kicking her <laughs> like, yo, get the fuck, are you doing? Stop, you know. um
0: you know. and I was gonna I was gonna ask you like what have you noticed? Um, you know, being being you know, watching movies heavily, watching horror, studying it the whole nine, what have you noticed the the biggest change? Because I remember, um, and I've had this, you know, discussion with several of my friends about I for me You know, it's a lot of horror films, like a lot of horror films that, you know, came out years ago, you know, that really I thought was really, really scary. Now Mm -hmm. they consider quote-unquote horror come to the film. I'm leaving walking out the movies like, hmm, okay. You know, so, like, what do you think, uh, what have you noticed are some of the changes uh, that we get, you know, in horror films now that comes to theaters versus, you know, what we were exposed to years ago because, like, for me, you know, I used to see old scary movies, and you'd be like, oh, man, you like you said, you were really shook from it, or, or you really mm-hmm. something from it. And so now you watch films, and it's like you could easily go to bed without, <laughs> you know, without even thinking about what has occurred no, in the movie. So what changes have oh, you noticed? Oh, it's that,
2: and, you know, and it's crazy because yes. TV has actually picked up the mantle. Like right. Walking Dead, right? Some episodes of Walking yes. Dead are about as scary. Honestly, some some episodes of Walking Dead are about as scary as all my children. But then there's that couple of episodes <laughs> where you're like, "Yo, son, oh, that's man. bananas, son." You know, um, Walking Dead obviously, The Strain is a is a prime example. I you know, I try to get people to watch The Strain with me. They're like, "Nah, see, I'm good." You know, it, it's like The Strain is Strain is messing people up all the time um yeah but you know it, it's like so i feel tv is definitely like you know they've kind of taken over but then on the other hand then you have like i, I want to say these vampire movies and, and and some stuff that you know is supposed to appeal to a younger crowd and one of the things i've noticed about some of the some of the newest latest is that there isn't a whole lot of consequence it's like right <clears throat> like like right. you know, like being a vampire or being a werewolf, you know it's like having herpes or some shit, you know it's like <laughs> it, it's like and it's supposed to be a little more serious than that, but that's kind of oh, how man. it ends up getting that's how kind of how it ends up getting handled in some of these movies where it's just like, matter uh, like, well, man, you look a little pale, well, you know some crazy shit like oh and, and now, <laughs> hey, are you are you gonna drink that yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, 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 no, just pass it over, man, I'm good. You know, it, it, it's like now it, – it, 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 yeah, so you got that problem. Um, and then the other, the, uh, the other thing is every once in a while you will see you, – you are starting to see some of us make it to the end of the movie. Right. Um, I think this one brother made it at the end of uh, Jurassic, the, the latest Jurassic Park thing. Um,
0: yes, yes, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I, I, I peeped that, uh, you know, Danny Glover. He made it to the end of Predator 2.
0: Um
2: <laughs> And then you have Wesley Snipes in the Blade series. And the Blade series was a beautiful thing. The first two movies were great. The third movie, you could tell, they were trying to push, you know, Ryan Reynolds and uh, what's the young lady's name? Jennifer, the one that's with Justin Timberlake. Um,
0: It'll come back. Jennifer Aniston?
2: Anyway, no, it's not Aniston. It's, um, uh, well, anyway. But anyway, it, it definitely felt like they were trying to push those two Past him within the movie and it was interesting because back when that came out i was actually working at total request live and couldn't help but notice wesley wasn't doing any press on that third movie so you know he was kind of feeling like you know what y'all can kiss my black ass you you could kind of tell (laughs) that was the vibe that was happening with all that so um yeah, you know, uh, there, there have been some changes, some good, some bad. LL made it to the end of Deep Blue Sea. That's right. I forgot about that. That's another. That's another yes, important one.
0: I, I do remember that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, made it. To the, he made it. He didn't kill the shark, but he made it. He no, no. <laughs> I think about it He killed a shark. He did kill a shark. He didn't. But you know, Thomas Jane had to go be you know the one killed killing the big shark. So. Uh, so yeah, there there there's that. There you know there's definitely some. I mean, when Sigourney Weaver started doing her thing in Aliens, uh, you know, that was a nice change of pace because, you know, just like black dudes, women in general in horror movies, it's like, good luck, sis. You know, it, it, it's seriously, it, it, that's just kind of how how this thing is built. Normally, you know, it's, it, it's Tarzan to come save Jay, not Jane. But, um...
0: Right, you
2: know, so that was that was a nice change and and, and you know, and, and that franchise went and did that. And then Sanaa Layson survived the end of Alien versus Predator. Um, even though I still don't quite figure out how the hell she got home. Um, but that's a that's a whole other I mean, no, but sure. Yeah, I was kinda of puzzled. She didn't even that have one. a coat. <laughs> she
0: didn't even have a coat anymore
2: because the, the acid from the alien got thrown on the coat. She didn't even have a coat anymore. I am sitting in the right. theater like
0: Right. Okay, this is
2: great and all, and now she's in that. She's in. I, I guess she still had that. Um, that big, uh, you know, ice uh, ice drifter thing that she could have, uh-huh. uh-huh. you know. But she went making it all the way back to Brooklyn in that thing. Like, how, how the hell? <laughs> you, you know, it, it's like that. That that just bugged me out. <laughs> just, go, just go, just go, leave sister girl in the middle of the Arctic, like. Without a coach. <laughs> just like, Yo, stop. Wait a minute. I mean, the fight scenes were dope, but wait a minute. What what's this the girl doing? You know. But that's that's, that's oh, my problem. I, I watch these things and I like pick them apart too. That's I mean yeah. You know, that's just how that's just how I'm built now. My friends they Absolutely. can't they watch watching movies with me they can't they're just like. And I'm like and I'm sitting in the you know and I don't I'm not one. I'm not that dude that's, like, screaming shit in the theater. I'm not that right. guy because, you know, I'm a writer. I'm a writer, and I want right. to hear the dialogue and make sure the, so the, the dialogue is worthy. So, you know, like, I'll be on a date or something, and the date's trying to sit in the middle of the theater, and I'm, I'm trying to move to the speaker. So just in case there <laughs> are other black folks in the theater, they want to be like, hey, girl, get em. I, I don't have to necessarily contend with that. I can still hear the
0: dialogue,
2: you know. Um... Because,
0: you and, know, we get really hyped in the movie theater. Oh, we I know. We get really hyped. Like, run, I run, know. here we come. You know, we, we act like we in the movie. So.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. That's oh, why if I, if I really know I'm trying to hear some dialogue, man, I'll, I'll do a matinee. <laughs> I'll do, like, I'll do a midnight show. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness! I love goodness, the people. So I love my people, but I'm
2: trying but I'm trying to hear the dialogue, son. I'm sorry. I paid <laughs> my sixteen bucks. Another twenty for this popcorn, you know. I'm I'm trying to get my money's
0: worth, yo. Exactly. Exactly. If I, if, oh my goodness. Oh hilarious. Hilarious. It's even what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna take just a short break. Uh, uh, Do a little commercial uh, But we're going to come back And I want you to uh, talk to us a little bit um, About the Brookwater's Curse series um, That you have created And uh, we're going to share some um, some insight on that as well you guys So stay tuned you guys You're listening to Stephen Van Patten Right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show We'll be right back Brooklyn, New York Born and raised Vivian comes from anything but a happy home. She is sheltered, young, and beautiful with a life that is filled with drama and pain, trusting no one. Vivian makes a habit of covering up her bruises and pretending that all is well. DeMarco is a young police officer who thinks he is living the perfect married life. The unforgiving streets of Queens, New York are about to show him that he couldn't be more wrong. His wife's dirty secrets are exposed and DeMarco is left to decide if he still wants his marriage. Intimidated by Love by Melody S. Available now at all online book retailers.
1: of the author trent williams of www.taylorkennedymedia.com chapter of the delta gives us a peek at his life changing events and if that's not enough trent tells you more about his brothers and his life through memoirs in his book the four horsemen his blogs and daily stimulating quotes are published in his book life's little addiction and when you have a need of some human coaching of life and relationships. Take a look at Conversations with Trent, Volume One and Two, and Conversations with Trent Limited Edition. You will find his works available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all online book retailers.
0: Welcome back, here, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. This evening, you guys, we are joined by author Stephen Van Patton. You guys, he is the author of the Brook Waters Curse series and more other books that we will get into this evening, you guys, and uh, we're excited about having him on as well. So, Stephen, tell us a little bit, for the folks and the listeners out there, tell us a little bit about the Brookwater's Curse What made you want to actually um, make it a series? I know a lot of times, you know, folks create one book, and then they're like, okay, uh, I I feel like there's more that can come with this. So what made you decide uh, to make it um, a series, actually?
2: Um, Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, when I I started the first one, and and like I said, I got to page, page 100, and I was like, okay, this is serious. I'm going to try to do this now, and mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 it was funny because then at that point, you know, it went from I'm eventually, you know, I'm keeping this to myself to I'm eventually going to show people this. So now, like right. the the you know, the, I had to step it up in the sense that um, the first book starts primarily uh, with a, with a whole lot of like flashbacks through a diary that the main character, Christian uh, Brookwater, has written, and he's been taken into custody by these uh, other two vampires because they believe he's behind an assassination. Um, mm-hmm. And as they're going through his, his journey, uh, it's, it, 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 it's a period piece. So I, mm-hmm. you know, it went from being, you know, it, it went from amusing myself to now I'm, I have to be like, okay, now before I mention before I even use the word zipper, were zippers invented at this point? And then I got to backtrack, you know, and it's like everything that I like, like for music, I got to be like, all right, so is this a Victrola? Like, what's my scenario there? You know, and what's a house like back then? So then I had to dig into some architectural research a little bit. And then then things start getting real complicated because, hey, I'm a complicated guy. So I um, decide that, the mean, my main character can't really be around for a lot of the Jim Crow stuff because eventually he would <laughs> snap and just start killing white folks. So, right? I send him on a boat to Japan to to an, actually to a hidden island just off Japan. And this is this stuff I'm making up, but the logistics I wanted to be uh I wanted to be accurate on those logistics. So, mm-hmm. um I end up uh, I end up arranging an interview with the guy that's supposed to be the curator over at uh, the museum over in uh, in um, the Seaport in New York City Seaport, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> haven't met the guy. Whatever, um, so you know I make the appointment and they said yeah he'll he'll meet you at this time whatever and and, and as I, I'm starting to think about it and go, getting back to John for a second. I'm thinking I'm going to walk in here, and it's going to be some racist old Irish dude. What do you want to know about boats and black boy, you know, and all of that? And, and I'm, like, preparing myself for, like, this really, like, B.S. response. So I show up. I'm all in my levers. I'm on my motorcycle. I walk into the Seaport Museum, and it's basically Mr. Rogers. So uh, how can I help you? And, of course, he's looking at me because I'm looking like I just walked off the set of Mad Max. And I'm like, oh, uh, well, actually, here are my questions. <laughs> Let me take this jacket off so I don't look quite so crazy. Um, you know, we had a great little talk. <clears throat> then I incorporate that into the story. Then I, you know, I, I get a few more decades in, and then I uh, I decide that I'm going to have a kidnapping caper in the modern, call it year 2000, uh, 2001-ish part of the book. uh, And that's going to force me to send the characters to Africa. And then, of course, since I had never been to Africa, I was now compelled to figure out a way to uh, go to Africa. And so I tagged along with a bunch of drumming and dancing students, and that was kind of funny in itself because, you know, I get there (laughs) and and their first question naturally is, so, Steve, are you a drama or are you a dancer? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask that. And then I felt, and at the time, I hadn't released a book at all. So I felt a little crazy telling a bunch of people I didn't know. Um, well, I'm actually here because I'm writing a vampire novel, you know, because obviously they <laughs> they would have like, so we, we have a sanitarium to put crazy people like you in. So that's where we are going to take you now. You know, so I, I kept that a secret as long as I possibly could. I got through the most uh, very trying two weeks what, with the malaria medication making me depressed. Uh, visiting oh, Gory God. Island, where uh, slaves were actually interned, um, uh, and a series of somewhat emotional things during this trip, and it was enough to send me home like just like basically depressed. And and the thing is, it was like oh the doctor warned me that the malaria medication was gonna make me depressed and my silly flipping ass was like, Oh, that's all right, Doc. I work in T V, it's fine, you know. And <laughs> then come to find out that at least at the time, army guys were taking the same medication I was on and they were killing themselves. Wow. So yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> I went through all of that, but then the thing is I finish the book, I start getting feedback off of it, um, and and the feedback was was so good, and then I still had other other stuff in my head, and um, so then I, I just felt compelled to continue, and then uh, you know and then I, I with the second book, you know I wanted to stage things in South Dakota, I wanted to stage things in Japan. Uh, there's no way to make that make sense uh, it, right in the short period of time that we have, but let's just say that <laughs> both those locations were very uh, were very necessary to the story, much like the trip to Senegal mm-hmm. was. And that's the thing. The trips that I took, as crazy of a time as I had in all of those trips, um, you know, well, this, the South Dakota thing was crazy just because you know, I was there incorporating, among other things, uh, the the Wounded Knee Massacre of 1890 into the storyline. Right. And I wanted to go to Wounded Knee, and I wanted to do this, and I wanted to do that. Now, um, you know, in New York, I travel, you know, fairly easy, and I don't think about it too much. But when I go to strange places, especially a red state like South Dakota, you know, I'm a little leery <laughs> about traveling by myself. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I hired. so It was funny because I hired this very nice, uh, very nice lady. You know, fights. Uh, runs a, sort of a touring company out there, and the whole thing. And you know, I, I I had her kind of structure what I you know structure a couple of days of me visiting certain things like Indian burial grounds and certain museums and things like that. I threw her for a loop because normally she's used to people coming to see Mount Rushmore and go whitewater rafting. Uh, while I was interested in white I mean while I was interested in Mount Rushmore, I certainly was not getting in the boat. so um, you know it's like I, I, my trip was structured to be educational. And then there was one point where where we're in the museum we're in a museum together, and the actual events that lead to the massacre. Along with um, a- along with actual black and white footage of the mass graves of all the women and children and leaders like Red Cloud and so on who went into those um, and went into those graves, uh, all of we kind of went through all of that. I already knew about that. She, even though she was born and raised in South Dakota, knew nothing about that, and they turned the lights on she actually had to run out and go cry because she had no idea. She had no idea. And, you know, and so, yeah, we talked about it when we were on our way to the next thing. It was like, you know, that's not what they teach us. And, of course, from here, I could easily launch into a whole thing about how everything about how this country came to be because if you did, we would have a nation full of anarchists and we wouldn't have people that were necessarily interested in anything, Donald Trump or anyone who takes advantage of people who don't know their history, uh, you know, that, those types of folks would not have a platform. But I'm not going to, I digress. So, you know, the South Dakota trip, that, that was very illuminating. Um, And and when stuff like that happens, it kind of, it kind of reinforces the idea that you're on the right path. And, you know, and I, I just stuck with it. And then, but, you know, of course, I was a little tired by the time I got to volume three. So volume three basically happens in New York. Uh, I should say there is a volume four. It's being worked on now. Uh, it will it will require a trip to England and that will be happening next year. And
0: that's where I'm at. Wow. Wow, absolutely awesome. And for you, um, as a writer, would you encourage, you know, uh, writers to visit uh, and explore, you know, different cities or countries uh, to kind of draw that inspiration for their stories? Because a lot of times, you know, some people might just stay, you know, stationary where they are. But do you recommend, you know, actually getting out and visiting different places to, you know, bring that, 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 that inspiration to your book?
2: Well, I feel like my trips certainly help bring a certain authenticity and I, and I realize I'm writing about right, vampires and, right. I, and werewolves and I'm, I'm, you know, this is a work of fiction but it helped, you know, the trips helped ground my storyline. Um, and, and on a general note, whether you're a writer or not, traveling is something everybody should do. You know, it's like Everybody knows that one dude, that one dude that never got off the block is still on the block, has no intention to leave in the block. You know, like back in the day, you, you were hard-pressed to get <clears throat> a Brooklyn dude to even go to the Bronx and vice versa. But then what ends up happening, then you got fam in the Bronx. Then you got fam in Brooklyn. You know, the the world, like – you. Like we, especially African American, we need to travel and see the world. I would say, I would, I would add, do it carefully, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> but it's necessary. It is a very necessary thing, and if for no other reason, just to understand that, just like when folks come to this country and they expect every black person they see to be, you know, either cookie from from Empire or DMX, you know, and that's incorrect, you know, your perception just from what you got off television about other people in other places can be way, 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 way off base. And, you know, so whether you're writing or not, and I I get it, traveling's expensive. I have blown through quite a bit of change, but I've also changed. And for the best. Wow. Yeah. But people should travel. Awesome. People should ask yeah. everybody should travel. And I get it, you know, if all you, you know, if you're you're setting a, a scene a certain way and you think you can pull it off a Google map, well, you know, God bless you, you know.
0: <laughs> Knock
2: it out. I've, I've had, and I've had this debate. I've been on panels where it's like, you know, it's like me Somebody who basically keeps their, you know, it was like me, and then one person who basically writes about stuff that happened in their hometown, and then another person who, if they had to do had to reference anything, they're on Google Maps like a mug, and you know, <laughs> everybody's got their message. I'm not, you know, I would not crit as long, as long as you got a great story and you're happy with it, you know. But the thing is, if you just rely on Google Maps, which doesn't always get updated. So, you know, if some somebody hollers at you on Twitter talking about, yo, that gas station went away at 86, son, you know, <laughs> then that's kind of on you. That's kind of your bad. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, that's, that's basically how I see that.
0: <laughs> incredible, incredible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, of course, Earlier in the show, you mentioned uh about doing some stage managing um and so forth and so over the year over the time that you have been doing it um what has what have been you what have been your thoughts on on the various segments that we see that take place um on t v um a lot of us know that we we see shows and then after a while uh we no longer see them so what do you think? Make, you know, what What keeps the attention of viewers to keep watching um, some of the shows that we watch at night?
2: Well, I think with television these days, what ends up happening
0: is, like,
2: a lot of really good stuff Right. is just exhausted. It's just exhausted. I mean, I, yeah. I was crazy Walking Dead, but trust me, the day will come, when Walking Dead will "quote unquote" jump the shark, you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, it, it, and whether that's a zombie shark or not, I mean, I don't know. But there, there's going to be a point where you know that um, that's going to be, you know, that that's going to happen. You know, it, it's like right. there's only so right. much there's only so much you can do. I mean, HBO, uh, as much as I love a lot of the stuff that they put out. I mean, they let the they, they There were a couple of those seasons of The Sopranos that, that really had people scratching their heads, and you know, and that kind right. of
0: thing, right? Because you got you know a lot of great seasons, and then towards the end, you're kind of like, okay,
2: <laughs> what are you guys right. trying to
0: do with this, you know? So right, yeah. so you see a lot.
2: It's a, it's a lot of different things. If something is, is, is successful, it's going to get beat to death. Yeah, and, and lowest common denominator stuff. And, and mind you, I've worked lowest common denominator stuff. I I don't know. Um, I'm I'm giving away some some stuff here, but uh, a lot of people might remember the Jeremy Kyle. Speaking of England, Jeremy Kyle, yeah, kind of like their their Maury Povich. He was doing a Jeremy Kyle USA uh, here in the states, and for oh, wow. most of his run, most of his run, I was the front stage manager on that and and what that basically meant. And I didn't even know this until I was already like headset on clipboard and the whole thing. And, and they're saying, um, so by the way, you actually have to walk out and hand Jeremy the lie detector results and the DNA results. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> so it was, so I had people sending me screenshots and all kinds of, oh so know,
0: <laughs> Yes. And, and
2: and my mother's watching, and then I remember this one girl was just, like, deceiving everybody on stage, and then my mom called, and she was just – my mom's, you know, she's very supportive. Um, right. So if she watches even – if, even if she doesn't like the show, per se, she will watch it just because, you know, her quote-unquote baby uh, is working on the show.
0: She calls me right. up, and she was like, I saw
1: that episode with that girl.
2: So the last time I saw lying like that, it was your stepfather. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done." Oh I'm done. I'm my
0: done. goodness!
2: Oh so my I goodness. mean, I've worked. <clears throat> I've worked the gambit. I've worked some great music shows. I, I mean, I did right. pretty much. I did a lot of the run of Total Request Live. Uh, I did BET tonight with Ed Gordon. I did the first season of Doctor Oz. I. You know, like I said, did Jeremy Kyle. Did a lot of work for Fuse. Um, And unfortunately, uh, the show I was just working on actually just uh, wrapped uh, Comedy Central just canceled them this week. Uh, was the nightly show with Larry gonna, Wilmore.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, the 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 nightly show with Larry Wilmore. Um, yeah. Share with us, because I know a lot of people heard about um, it getting canceled, which was a big shock because, I mean, a lot of people dug it. You know, a lot of people really dug the show. A lot so. of people
2: dug it. A lot of people yeah. dug it. Yeah, what happened and, with that? And I will, I will publicly say uh, with, yeah. Without necessarily, uh, you know, getting myself in trouble here, I will publicly <laughs> say that um, I don't think the show was given its fair chance, and I'm not just saying that just because you know my right. paycheck was was directly, right. you know, connected to that. Um, right. Yeah. They, they they pulled him way too soon. They pulled him way too soon. And and really, what what was really like the worst part of that was the fact that we had a really, really great group of people. I mean, and I told somebody yeah. this, like, at the wrap party while we were chugging, like, multiple drinks. Um, it's like <laughs> the, the worst part of of this show going away is that, like, any, pretty much any other show I've worked on, you know, there was always that one person. So no matter how, whether the show was canceled, whether the, the the director got fired, and then since I'm a stage manager, I'm part of that director's team, so then I get broomed, You know, uh, no matter how I lost the show, and then I wake up, and then I've got that couple of days to adjust, and then start calling people, letting people know I'm available and all that stuff. You know, during that interim, I always have that, you know, that that, that moment where it's like, well, at least I don't have to see blah, blah, blah anymore. I don't have that with the nightly <laughs> show. Right. We were we were so cool. We as as a group, it was it was family. Everybody like all those contributors, Mike Yard and and and, 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 and Robert and Holly Walker and, and, and like they they were all so so cool. Like and and that's the thing. Normally, the hosts of the show, you know, you don't expect them to be like that's cool, or, 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 you know, at least keep a little... No, it wasn't even... There was no egos, there was no nothing. Everybody's just trying to make a funny-ass TV show. And right. and also an important TV show, as anyone who has been watching it lately uh, can attest. You know, um, but, you know, Mr. Wilmore, he, he, uh, he will hopefully get uh, back swinging it in the batter's box pretty soon. I know he's got some other, you know, because he does... You know he's like a big deal. He does like episodical stuff too. So, uh, you know he's not going away anytime soon. Um, I just I just hope that uh, that the rest of the cast, you know they 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 find their way to to get back on air as quickly as possible. Um, right. And I'm not you know and for me I'm not stressed because like you know word got out I had already lined up to to work uh, on the VMAs this year. I've got a couple of other, mm-hmm. other things happening, like, within within the space of the next four weeks, um, you know, and, and, and like I said, you know, I, I've already, like, every other day there's another email, hey, are you available to cover this, you know, since you're no longer on the nightly show and, and, and all that. So I, I'm yeah. not, man, I mean, I, I'm fortunate and blessed in the sense that I built up a strong rep uh, as a yeah. stage manager. So cool. I'm not worried about, you know, about about running out of work anytime soon. Um, But but when you work on something with so many great people and when you work on something that actually feels important, I mean, Jeremy Kyle was great. Don't get me wrong. I got along with Jeremy. I got along with, for the most part, I got along with everybody on the crew and the whole nine. But I tell you what, listening to those stories about, you know, (laughs) this MF not paying child support, and, you know, this one ain't seen his baby that in 10 years. Show, and and, you know, and, and, it and too, it's like it's, it wears on your spirit. It wears <laughs> on your spirit. I'm already kind of a joker. Well, and and now, now, now you got me at the point where I'm
0: like, okay, now. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Because like, when you watch, when you watch um, the show, and I don't know how many people did that particular show you're talking about, at first, mm-hmm. I, I and I, I, I'm not... Not to be, as they say, to shave anybody. At first, I thought it was a joke. You know, like this can't, like this can't, like okay, this 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 can't be seen. You know, and so the thing about it is to see, like, because everybody was, you know, used to Jerry Springer, and so Jerry Springer came on, and then to see another show that was, I don't know, some in some ways even like a a step above. Jerry mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my gosh, like, it's it, 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 incredible. So then when you told me, you know, as we were talking, and that you were the pretty much the messenger <laughs> who delivered, who, you know, delivered the results, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I mean, but it's those type of things, like, those, like, and I wanted to ask you because, okay, of course you've been uh, stage managing. What, what is it about those type of shows? That really like draws people in to watch because you hear people all the time like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't watch that Jerry Springer, but they just can't. Plus, like, it's train,
2: they they train wreck can... television. It's train wreck yeah. television. That's what it right, is. Right. Well, I, I feel like most of the people that watch that stuff, they just happy that that's not them. <laughs> to be honest, you know, I feel like that's their main thing. They're like, woo, those people are crazy. That ain't me. My life's not so messed up. <laughs> Let me go smoke this crystal meth real quick, and uh, <laughs> you know. But I'll I, I give you a little insight, though. I mean, because a lot of people would ask me, you know, it's like, is this stuff? For real? Is this happening? Like, here's the thing: the people, the people would definitely have the issue they're discussing, but it's the producer. <laughs> That kind of like you know like you ever watch like the rodeo, where they have a bull and they have a guy on the bull, and then you had a guy that kind of smacks the bull on the ass or something to get the bull riled up. So then you have, you get a good show with the bull, so to speak. That's kind of what the producers do on that show. They the issues will be real, but you know they're unresolved, and then they get right. the people together. And then they, you know, and, and, and while you know, homegirl will be on stage talking about,
0: oh no, he ain't paying his child support, and, and he's a deadbeat,
2: and he then he slept with Bonquisha, and then this and that, mm-hmm. and, and while while that's happening, mm-hmm. the producer, the other producer is backstage with dude talking about, okay, now remember you got to explain your side of this story, son, because she making you look bad. You want to look bad right. on TV, you know. So he comes out. He's all amped up. You know, it's it, it, you know, it, there are degrees. There's there's levels to this game. You know, that, 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 that's how that
0: that's how that goes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Absolutely, absolutely. Oh man! And so for you, um, the books that you have created, have you thought possibly about uh, creating some movies out of them for yourself?
2: I would I would love to. Um you know,
0: and I, I, I
2: roast people with those, those discussions every once in a while. It's it, it it it's tough because I'm dealing with mostly like talk show type and music T right. V people. Right. You know, so right. they they don't really have that, that help for me that would necessarily come across. But I mean I I've occasionally I've had some people reach out and you know, and and I've there's been the occasional letter of intent that floats around and it 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 doesn't necessarily go somewhere i mean i have a couple of execs there that are thinking and they they say they're looking out for me and they'll they'll get something going you know they they're trying to get something going and whatever uh you know it, it it's you know it's just hard to say and at the end of the day uh all all i want to say black speculative fiction in general just suffers mm-hmm. from the fact that that there's very there, there are very little venues for us to go uh, that yeah. are, and there are, and there are no venues to go really that are, you know, for the most part that are black owned, and
1: right. I mean,
2: and only so many, and and you know, and the thing is, Tyler Perry and Oprah can only rescue but so many people, so <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so you know it. It's true. The, you know, the arc is only but so big, you know? So uh that, that big Tyler Perry uh, Oprah arc. It, it's you know but ho- I hope to someday be be one of the two horror writers on somebody's arc. Someday. Yeah. Uh, pardon the crazy metaphor. Um right. yeah, that, that that that's what's going on. That's what's going on with and that. So I would is, I would love to get that um, going though.
0: And as you mentioned, there's not being, you know, a lot of, you know, avenues for African Americans who specifically are into the horror genre. So, mm-hmm. what do you believe that makes it difficult, or do you find it difficult um, to market um, your books to African Americans? How, you know, what is that like actually marketing? Because, and a I'm, I'm, reason why I ask that is because for some people. Yeah, specifically, African Americans. When you think about horror, we equate that to, you know, sadistic behavior, you know, evil, and, and all kind of things. Oh no, um, I, come I up look, about I, that. You know, I have, I have on several occasions, yeah. several occasions
2: had to deal with, um, the whole like I I was in I was in Atlanta, having yeah. Breakfast with a bunch of other writers, and uh-huh. the, the waiter is this nice, older older brother. You know, he he was kind of like, so y'all y'all are writers. And like, and then we were all like, yes. <laughs> we went around the table, and then he's like, so what do you write about? And I was like, well, uh, and I hadn't had the serial killer book out yet, but I was telling him, you know, you know, I got the vampire series. <laughs> da, da 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 And my man just goes, right. Oh well, you know, well you know the reverend told me stay away from people like you, and I'm just yes, like, oh, yes. See that right there. Um, you know, and, 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 and right. you have frustration. It's like I've, I've had various frustrating moments. It's like just mm-hmm. talking to your average street lit cat, you know, trying right. to bring him right. across, so to speak. And then, you know, you get, <clears throat> you know, yo, man, I, I respect you on this vampire stuff, son, but my stuff got be about the streets. You know, it's like, right, well, but there are streets in my book, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. there's a lot of right, right. Play. You know, but um, <laughs> oh, and the best, oh, and the best was this one event. Because that's the thing. It's like, as a as a spec, speculative fiction writer, you end up going on the on these on these, for lack of a better way of putting it, these festivals or whatever, and <clears throat> and you're being sold. Oh yeah, there's going to be like. Mad foot traffic. Son, there's going to be this, there's going to be that. A lot of people, you going to sell out before noon and, and, you know, and they're going to get all this smoke blown up your ass and you pay for a table, you pay to get there, you do all this other stuff and you get there and like, okay, so one, one great example was like me in Shreveport, Louisiana was and not only am I the only horror sort of sci-fi kind of dude in the room which in and of itself, as I've learned over the years, it's like if you if, if only horror sci-fi, dude, you went to the wrong you went to the wrong thing. You, you you know because ultimately no because ultimately what happens is you know people didn't really come looking for you, they came looking for you know, um, some, you know Christian lit or urban lit or, or or something like that. They weren't even expecting you. You were on, and you could have been on the flyer and everything. But, you know, it's like whatever the the, the festival has the most of, that's, you know, the fans of that genre, that's who's going to show up. Not really people necessarily checking for you. So what was interesting about the Shreveport thing was they put me right next to, like, my man uh, Robert Sells, who is a Christian lit dude. And, you know, Robert and I are friends. There's no, you know, like mythological beef between, you know, Christian – Christian writers and me, you know, Robert's a real nice guy. He's always been cool with me. We even used to joke, you know, whatever. But, all right, so his table display is this, and his wife's with him too. Um, his table display is this, like, like lovely, angelic, light blue and white display with, with, with like, stars and all this other <laughs> stuff. Then you look right next to him at my table Everything is black and red and I got bats and skulls and, you know, candles and all this other, like, you know, supernatural looking mm-hmm. stuff. And, and it was just like, and, <clears throat> and the thing is, we were both struggling to move product because at the end there was no foot traffic at the event. And then we're just sitting there looking at each other, like, even if we had foot traffic, like, how would that even go down? You know, and, so then somebody finally, so a Christian lit person finally found Robert and they're talking to him, and and they were like, um, they were desperately trying not to make eye contact with me. And, you know, he he also had like some poetry <laughs> CDs or something, and, and, and they right. were like, well, can I listen to this before I'm so, you know, as fate would have it, you know, the person wants to listen to the CD, Robert forgot his headphones. So now he has to come talk to Black Satan real quick. Hey, uh, Steve, you uh, got headphones? And I'm like, sure, you can have them for your soul. Because at this point, I'm just having fun. So, uh, but then I, then I, you know, because I don't want him to blow the sail. So I, I step over and I'm like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please listen to Robert's poetry, please. Thank you. <laughs> and I give him the headphones. You know, but that you know, that's the thing. It's like you got to – you have to kind of do your research and know where you should be and where you shouldn't. I didn't really have any business being in Shreveport. I have every reason to be at New York Comic Con. And that's right. – you know, that, that that was part of, the, you know, writing the book and selling the book are two completely different journeys. And, right. uh, you know, and that – you know, and, and the – Selling journey was a much harder one, always has been a harder one. And, it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it, it, I'm just now at the point where I'm like, okay, now I feel like I know what the hell I'm doing because now okay. I've got consignment mm-hmm. deals. Now I've got people dropping money in the PayPal account from all different awesome. states and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 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 and the thing is, my say what you want, I, I'm original. I'm original. I've been here. I I've been at this and now that I figured out <clears throat> how exactly to go about things, you know, everything's just going to grow from this point. And I'm 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 mm-hmm. in a happy much happier place as far as the whole marketing to and it's so funny too because it's like it, it's really just about putting yourself where you're supposed to be. And and right. that that's not just in selling books, that's life in general. You know, half half of half of my success in 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 anything i've tried has really just been about showing up and giving it Absolutely. what i got you know Absolutely. so um and i i know people weren't ex- expecting like you know motivational speaking from a horror dude but you know i i we can talk about orishas and haunted castles another night i guess but uh,
0: you know, that's,
2: you know that, that that's basically it. You know, it's like my journey has been a very unique one, but it it, um, you know, it it's all been lessons and no failure in my eyes.
0: Awesome, 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 awesome. Love it, love it, love it. And of course, uh, man, I, I've definitely learned so much. Thank so much from you uh, this evening. Uh, Man, I I have really, really learned a lot. And, of course, um, I wanted to ask you, um, at at the end of the day, at the end of the day for upcoming um, authors, you know, who are are just getting their feet wet, so to speak, into this, what would be your advice uh, to new upcoming horror um, authors? What would be your advice about adjusting... (coughs) Uh, to uh, the the book industry. Mm. Well,
2: I I want to say that the best can do. And and mind you, it's like this is a relatively recent uh, lesson for myself. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the the first thing you want to do is you want to start pairing yourself up. You want to find. I mean, and you can do that now. Like when I first started. Trying to, you know, swing it. Basically, I was just looking for other black writers, and
1: right.
2: you know, but if you're going into the horror thing, then you got to come look for me. You got to come look for Balagoon Ojitala. You you got to come looking for Milton Davis. Uh, you know, dudes that are out here, Brandon Massey. You, there's guys out here that are doing it, and um, ladies like Nicole Kurt. Um, to uh, it, 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 there There's women out here doing this stuff. I mean, I, I obviously uh, L.A. Banks and Octavia Butler, um, you know, they they were pioneers in terms of, you know, just in terms of what a, you know, who's putting out horror and what they're supposed to look like. They were breaking that mold before me. You know, and doing it well. So, you know, the thing <laughs> is, it's like, we're at the point now where we're starting. We, as as black speculative horror and sci-fi writers, we're starting organizations. We're, you know, um, I've actually been asked to be one of the people that's in the forefront of the uh, New York chapter of the State of Black Science Fiction. Who just had they and they just had a con in Atlanta this past April. Uh, oh, the well. New York chapter. Okay. We're going to have an event at Medgar Evers in Brooklyn on um, October 19th, you know. Oh. And, um, but but that's the thing. You got to join organizations, you got to join reading groups. Uh, you know, you got to get you got to you got a team build. You got to get a beta you got to get beta readers, you know, because right. you can hire you can hire editors, editors miss things <clears throat> and I've learned from harsh experience, other writers have learned from even worse experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, you're editing, and and that's the thing. There's also different kinds of editors. There's your editor that catches typos. There's your editor that tells you, or or beta reader, that tells you your plot doesn't make sense, you know? Mm -hmm. You got to team build. You got to team build. And honestly, right now, the best way to team build is to, you know, find organizations like State of uh, Black dot com or the Horror Writers Association, which I'm also a member of, and um, and we, you know, and I do events with them too. I do readings, you know, and it's it's funny because it's like, bef- you know, before I uh, kind of suggested uh, to add music as an element to a Horror Writers Association event, you know, it was just like one reader after the next, you know, and they kind of go up now uh, with me on board. Uh, using, you know, sort of kind of using my TV skills a little bit, I right. I actually play music as people are coming in, getting comfortable grabbing their drinks and doing whatever. And then right. as each reader and the host, as people come up on stage, I jazz it up with old school horror movie things.
0: Okay. And then, right.
2: yeah, you know, so it was funny because my, my people, You know, they come, and they're they're really just going to support me, you know, and they show up, and they're like, yo, you done turned turn this shit into deaf horror jam, son. And I'm like, yeah, well, that was, you know, that was what I was doing, you know. Hilarious, yeah. And then, you know, you try to, of course, me being me, then, you know, it's like you try to to end the show on time. So that the venue, lets me, like, you know, you know, I do my mixing thing for about a good half an hour mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm not saying I'm fuck master flex or anything, but you know, I, I mean, I hold that. I I could hold it down for like an hour on on a different genre of music <laughs> or whatever. You know, just and just and, and the thing is, just make the event fun. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like. <clears throat> Because yeah, everybody's gonna get up on stage, and then I get up on stage too, and then I, I you know, right. uh, which is a little tricky because you know playing intro music for myself and then running up to the microphone—that's you know—that's been a little nuts. But um, <laughs> but you know, it, it 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 it's it's about being entertaining,
0: right. you know,
2: and and and, and you know, and, and the fact that the Horror Writers Association was open to that idea—they let me do that—that that in itself tells me. I did the right thing by get, by becoming associated with this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like that that that's that's basically it. It's like you you kind of like we all have to kind of have this sort of uh, high tide rises all boats mentality. So if you're coming out, you know you you know don't don't come with the whole yeah man my stuff is solid it's scary it's this it's that. You know, because that's like that's like rapper attitude. It's like nobody's really gonna like nobody's really checking for you in the literary game if you're gonna be crazy arrogant, you know. But <laughs> if, if you if you know if you come in on the reel and you're like you know ready to sit down, help somebody you know help beta read for somebody else, they beta read for you. You know, it's about building a support system, and you know that's that's what the organizations that. um I've, I've been asked to join, and and there's a couple of others that that are uh, I, I'm getting ready to fill out some paperwork for, and and all that other stuff. And it, ultimately, it's all about artists supporting other artists, you know, and not because you're necessarily, you know, looking for the quick payback. It's simply, you know, it's the it's simply because it's the right thing to do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely And uh, I definitely want to tell you I have enjoyed having you on the show tonight I think we talked about a little bit of of everything under the sun Oh
2: my God, I know And uh, it's
0: it's definitely been awesome having you here on the show I really appreciate this, yes uh, Yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for the folks out here, listening, tell them where they can go to uh, purchase um all of your awesome books.
2: Well, um I have a website of course, uh www.laughingblackvampire.com. That is the name of my company that I also sometimes uh, you know, venture out and do productions on. Uh, um that's uh that's that's the main thing. You can find me on Facebook, Steven Van Patten, just like that. Uh on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at SCP Thinks. Um and everything I everything I have is uh well the Rob Curse trilogy is available on all digital platforms. Uh Killer genius uh you can get through Amazon 100%. um and it's available on Kindle. Um And they're actually, you know, Killer Genius is actually published through a separate outfit, these nice folks at uh, Evil Jester Press, um, who picked me up through the Horror Writers Association. Um, You know, so it's, you know, again, yeah, I, I, you know, in in laying all that out, I I do have to say that I am blessed in the sense that I've been able to make some really good inroads in the past few years. Um, Yeah, so that's basically that.
0: That is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And, uh, of course, uh, everybody's on social media these days, so uh, tell the folks where they can uh, connect with you as far as social media.
2: Oh, social media, yeah, Facebook, Stephen Van Patten. Um, I also have an author's page. uh waters Curse has its own Facebook page. Killer Genius has uh, her own Facebook page. Uh, yeah, oh, and also... Um, I'm actually a in a podcast with two other uh black uh horror sci fi fantasy writers, uh Mark Abbott and uh Kirk Johnson. We uh do a you know, we we basically just sit around and and, and shoot the shit about uh horror <laughs> sci fi. I love that and and we we did this thing the last <laughs> episode we did this thing, people were texting me over because um we were doing it's, like, it's something we made up. It's called the werewolf a lot. So we were doing auditions, <laughs> and Mark does Mark does a very good uh, Bokeem Woodbine impression. Oh, my and goodness. He's doing Bokeem Woodbine. And I was doing Bill Cosby, and I was saying that if you're a werewolf, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this pill in this drink here, and you're going to drink the drink. <laughs> just, just, you're just going to drink the drink. And then you're not gonna change into the werewolf for watts anymore. And so we went, we riffed. That was just one of the oh, things goodness. we did. We riffed off that for like about a good five minutes or so because we we basically have no sense. And the name of that podcast is Beef, Wine, and Shenanigans. I know that nice. makes no sense whatsoever, but that's what we came up with. Yeah, very we, interesting
0: we, title. <laughs> Yeah,
2: um, so we are actually, those guys will be stopping by uh, here, here being my apartment, uh, for those of you that can't see me. um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, They'll be stopping by tomorrow to shoot episode, well, not shoot, but record episode six. And uh, you, my uh, lovely Bianca Bly will be getting a big, big shout out in, in the midst of that.
0: Um, because oh, you know, awesome. this this was really really, really really great. Awesome, awesome! I am glad that you enjoyed yourself and that we were able to put this together and definitely make it happen. And I'm excited. I I mean, to see the different connections that you made. I know, um, even with the you know nightly show, all of that going on, you know, other doors are opening up for you and and have opened up for you. So. That's definitely awesome, and I hope that they continue to open for you and you continue to do more and more great things. And, uh, of thank course, you. I hope you'll come back again and talk with me again on here real soon. Anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on here, and I hope you have a great rest of your night, and I'll definitely be talking with you soon.
2: Yes, please. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Have a good one. All
2: okay. right, now. You too.
0: All right. All right, All right you guys. That was Arthur Stephen Van Patten of the Brookwaters Curse Series, you guys. Make sure that you go and purchase those. Uh, you can go to his personal website, www.brookewaters.com com, and I'm telling you guys, the books are beautiful. Uh, the cover, the artwork um, is very, very beautiful, very, very engaging. Uh, one of my favorites happens to be um, the Killer Genius cover. Um, I'm also a big fan of um, Brooke Waters' Purse. Well, all of them, um, Volume 2 and Volume 3. Um, volume 1 is just as great. Uh, but awesome, awesome details on the covers of those books, so you guys are going to make sure you go out and purchase those I'll be posting those links on the beautiful butterfly show page on facebook as well as my own personal one bianca fly on facebook as well so folks Email us. Let us know what you thought about our guest uh, tonight and the show, all of that good stuff. Or if you want to be a guest, you can send us an email as well, Show at gmail.com. Let us know uh, what you thought about the show this evening. Or if you're interested in being a guest, you can go ahead and submit your information. And so, of course, with that said, folks, we're going to get ready to wrap things up over here on this side. I appreciate you guys joining me um, this evening for a special. Sunday show. Uh, we definitely want to thank Stephen Van Patton uh, for coming on here. Big shout out to uh, my great friend K.L. Belvin uh, for connecting us. I'm so glad he did. Uh, Stephen is an awesome person uh, that I have gotten to know um lately, his commentary on Facebook is always, I'm telling you guys, you're going to want to connect with him because some of his posts go, comment go for days, literally, people commenting, giving their insight, uh, definitely engaging platform, and uh, just an all-around great person. So make sure you guys go and connect with him and purchase those awesome books as well. So with that said, folks, we're going to get ready to get out of here. We're going to play this poetry piece uh, from Eric Morris entitled The Darkness. How befitting, be fitting, you know, stories, vampires, horror, nighttime, the darkness. <laughs> We're going to get ready to get out of here, you guys. I am Bianca Fly. i see you guys next time. Have a good one.
1: in the dark, taking love in the park, making love in the dark, baby take my hand and take a walk in the park. my sex in the park, my sex in the dark, an ebony blanket covers the purple haze, as the sun evaporates, the night is giving new life, my nocturnal instincts are rejuvenated, plans of sexual fulfillment, anticipate memories of our last episode run rampant in my mind, wild and free. I stand guilty of every crime known to man involving lust. You got me strung out on the taste of your dark honey. Now to some, the darkness is sinister, filled with things that go off in the night. But to me, the ionic atmosphere gives me the opportunity to indulge in things. Soft, moist, tight. Shh. Can you hear it? Or oh, better yet, can you hear me? Baby, I'm coming. Better yet, I came. Came to practice loving sexual shadows on a mattress of black rain. Now, in the twilight, I lick my lips, hoping the taste of you is still embedded in My skin, and like a scientist, I long to invent new ways to make your body sing from within. The darkness knows no boundaries, and the same can be said for my desire to please you. You see, I work the night shift, my duties are to stimulate, titillate, and when necessary, tease on to love or be loved in the daylight I say nay. but without the sun how can one really appreciate what is to follow at the end of each day would making love in a room filled with candles at midnight be the same if the sun never went down would you have the courage to get your freak going in the middle of the day on a roof that overlooks the entire town nah I think not I believe the freaking me would cease to exist making me like any other brother with a little loot a nice whip and a little ice on his wrist I would become shallow no, change that one dimensional is a better term all that I am will come to an end I will regress no longer would I be able to do but hide your best. And that to me would be a fate worse than death. You see, if I couldn't make you shiver when a hot summer's night or make you moan as I sample both sets the lips in the park at the dark that means I failed that the one thing that I set out to do my entire life and that is to please you the darkness, forever, every night. Baby, take my hands, to go walk in the, the Baby, take my hands, walk in, in the bar